invest like a woman. I'm your host, Gabby Slemmer, founder of Finasana and chartered financial analyst. In this podcast, we'll break down investing, money, and everything in between to help you build your money confidence and feel good about your finances. Let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Invest Like a Woman. Last week, we spoke about why investing is important, why you should care about it, and why it should be a top priority for you to learn about investing and have it be top of mind when it comes to managing your finances and creating a financial plan for yourself. The reasons why you need to care about investing as an individual is because it's going to prepare you for retirement and help your savings grow, but also protect you from inflation. So pretty integral. Inflation happens to all of us. We're all hopefully going to retire one day. So all of us need to invest. But what is investing? What do we invest in? How do we make money investing? How does the stock market work? There's all of these questions around investing that a lot of us have that we're going to talk about. And so we're going to start today with just the building blocks, talking about what is investing and how does it work? Because it's a big word and investing encompasses a lot of different things. We use the word investing as a verb for a lot of different things, right? Not just investing our money. We use it when we say we're investing in ourselves, we're investing in our relationships, we're investing in our career, but we're investing our money. So we all know what it means from kind of investing in yourself perspective. You're spending time, money, resources to improve yourself. So the same goes to your money. When we invest our money, we can invest in loads of different things. The stock market is just one specific thing that we can invest in, but you can invest in property by buying a house, buying houses to rent out. You can invest in a lot of different alternative types of investments, crypto, um, and loads and loads and loads of other other stuff. You can invest in art, you can invest in purses, you can invest in watches and fine jewelry and so many different things. And you can also invest in private companies. So when you invest in the stock market, you're investing in companies, but ones that are publicly traded, which just means you can buy and sell them on the stock market. And I'll dig into that a bit more. But I just wanted to set the scene and try to make the investing in the stock market a little bit less scary. And I know this is, sounds very straightforward, but the reason I'm, I'm harping on it is because when it comes to investing our money in the stock market, it feels a little bit more loaded And that's where a lot of people, myself included, before I entered this world of finance, you kind of shut down and you're like, oh, no, that's complicated. And we have like a mental block with it. But let's try to switch that around and let's just assume it's really easy because it can be if we bring it down to the component parts and then things build on each other. So when you invest, you buy something that has value And you want that thing to increase in value so that you can sell it at some point in the future and make money off of it. There are other ways that you make money investing, and we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. But first, we're going to focus on investing in companies today, because that is 
what you're investing in when you invest in the stock market. So the stock market is basically a place. Today, it's a virtual place. So the history of the stock market, it started in the 1600s when there were these Dutch explorers who wanted to raise money to literally like build ships to go explore new lands, but they didn't have enough money to build those ships themselves. So they knew that the public would support their mission and everyone would be really interested in going abroad and finding riches. So they said to everyone, does anyone want to give us some money to build these ships? We're going to go off, take your money and explore. And whatever we find, you'll then be entitled to a portion of it. And that was the Dutch East India Company in the early 1600s. It was in Amsterdam. It was a physical place that people went to buy little pieces of paper that entitled them to whatever the settlers found. So the settlers, or the settlers, that's the right word, the explorers, who went away to explore these lands, they wouldn't own 100% of what they would find because there was lots of different owners for this company, the Dutch East India Company, that was exploring the lands. And honestly, the stock market works in the exact same way today. It's a little bit more complicated, but at the base of it, that's how it works. We've added new things. We've added bells and whistles and complications and things here and there, but at the, the foundations, that's what it is. When you buy a stock, you're buying ownership in a company that entitles you to reap the benefits of positive performance that that company has. So it used to be in like in person. Today, our entire world is online, so you don't have to go to a specific place anymore. All of this happens instantaneously online. But when you buy a stock in the stock market, you're buying something that represents ownership in a company. And the second you press buy on your brokerage account, which is like the online market that gives you access to the stock market, you immediately will own that stock. So it's really important that we remember that when we invest in the stock market, we are becoming part owners of the companies that we are investing in. Because that is at the very the root of it, what investing is. You are giving money to a company that is going to use that money to become more efficient, to hire more people, to build more products, whatever it is. And I, I, I know sometimes it doesn't feel that way because when you're buying a share that costs like $20 or something, or you're investing a hundred bucks, it's really easy to kind of separate yourself from companies like Amazon and Facebook and Tesla doing really well. But when millions and millions and millions of people do it at the same time, there's real money flowing into these companies, like billions of dollars, especially when institutions are the ones investing into the companies. So what I just mentioned about institutions investing in companies, I think that's a really important point because sometimes as individuals, when we think about investing, we think about Wall Street and that's why it's so intimidating because you're picturing like a Wolf of Wall Street, Leonardo DiCaprio type dude who is screaming out numbers, seeing flashing lights. You're thinking of like the New York Stock Exchange and you're like, whoa, I cannot do that. That is like way too much effort. Or maybe you're on Reddit and Twitter reading things that people are talking about, like 
I don't know, PE ratios or different like technical factors that they're looking at to invest in. You're like, this isn't for me. So I just want to talk about the difference between people like you and me investing our money for retirement and to beat inflation and the difference between people on Wall Street screaming numbers at each other. We're all investing in the same things. That is one of the main things that is important to know. People on Wall Street who invest other people's money are usually referred to as institutional investors, whereas individuals investing in the stock market are referred to as retail investors. Institutional investors usually have a lot more money to invest. They're making decisions with loads and loads and loads of money. This is their job. So they have all day, every day, teams of people, lots of resources to focus on finding companies to invest in that will bring them the greatest returns. Their timelines by nature of being a company are a lot shorter than yours as an individual. Companies are measured quarterly and annually. They need to think about how to deliver value for the people whose money they're investing as soon as possible. Whereas when I invest my money, I'm thinking about 30 years, 40 years retirement, like super long-term. Companies aren't thinking about 60 years of returns. But crucially, the biggest, 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 biggest difference between retail investors and institutional investors is the way that an institutional investor works is it's basically a company that gone out and raised money. So they've asked other people, hey, I'm going to invest money to try to get a big return. Can I invest your money? And so they're pooling funds from other people and they're going to take that money and invest it to make their investors a return. But in exchange for doing that, in exchange for these institutions saying, I'll manage your money for you, they need to get paid because these are people like you and me with jobs and they of course need to get paid. So they charge you fees. So let's say I give $100 to an institution to invest the money on my behalf. I'm going to pay that institution a fee on my money whether they make money or lose money. So no matter what happens to the money that's invested, institutions are still making money because of fees. And usually that's like a 2% uh, if we're talking about like institutional investors on Wall Street. And just to provide you with a little bit of like the vocabulary, these are things like mutual funds, hedge funds, private equity funds, pretty much anything with the word fund in it and in relation to Wall Street, it's people who invest other people's money. When we as individuals want to invest our money, we can either go directly to the stock market or we can go to the stock market via these other institutions who will do it on our behalf. When we do it via the institutions, we then have to pay a fee. When we sidestep them, we don't have to pay that fee. But The really, really, really important part here is that we as individuals are never making that fee. We're only going to make the return based on whether our investments do well or not. And the reason that Wall Street is so rich isn't because they're incredibly smart at predicting the future and choosing stocks. It's because whether their decisions are right or whether those decisions are wrong, they're getting paid a fee. So that's really, really important to remember. Because I think sometimes we look at Wall Street and we say, wow, they're so good at what they do. Like, 
well, how do I do it like them? But we're missing as individuals, a really critical ingredient when it comes to investing, which is those fees. So how do you make money when you invest? We've talked a bit about how when you invest, you buy something, that thing goes up in value, you sell it, you make money. That's one way of making money in the stock market. And I just want to differentiate between realized and unrealized returns there. If you invest $100 and you have a 10% return over the course of a year, that means January 1st, you invested $100. On December 31st, that investment increased in value to $110 and you sold it on that date. So now you started with $100, you have $110, you've made $10, simple enough. If you sell your investment, that is when you've actually, quote unquote, made the money and your returns become realized. If you don't actually sell, your investment's still gone up in value, but that money isn't actually yours to spend yet. So it's unrealized, meaning that it can continue to go up, it can go down, it can stay the same, but it's not technically your money to spend yet. You can't buy something with an investment before you sell it. And when people talk about returns, they usually refer to them on an annualized basis. Usually it's annualized when people are talking about kind of returns, but it's really important for you to ask the question and at least to yourself and know whether someone's talking about an annual return or whether they made that in a month or whether it was like three years. Because if it took someone two years to make the same $10 on the $100 investment, that's closer to like a 5% annual return. If you made 10% in a month, that's 120 roughly. That's wrong because of compound interest, but it's just important for us to make sure we know whether we're talking on annual terms or not when it comes to returns. The reason I'm harping a bit on the realized versus the unrealized is because as long as your money is in the stock market, it can continue to go up or it can continue to go down. Once you sell, you're not in the game anymore. You're not playing the game. You're out. You've crystallized your losses or your gains. So when the market is in a recession, for example, when it's starting to drop, when prices are going down, it might look like you're losing money. And some people get really scared and they say, oh no, I lost $10. I don't want to lose any more. Let me sell. But when you sell, you're crystallizing those losses your money is never going to come back up. You, you're not giving it a chance to. You're literally removing yourself from the game. So panic selling during a period of a decrease is one of the absolute worst things that you can do, especially if you're invested in things where you believe in their long-term fundamentals. So the other way that you can make money when you invest is through periodic cash payments, something called dividends or coupons when we talk about bonds, which I haven't even touched upon yet. So you make money when the underlying investment increases in value. And later on in this little mini series, we're going to talk about what causes investments to decrease and increase in value. But for now, just know that they do. And that over the long term, the majority of companies usually tend to increase in value because our economy gets more advanced, people get better at their jobs, we just become more efficient as humans and as companies. 
So the other way that you can make money when you invest is through dividend payments. Dividend payments are periodic cash payments that companies pay their stockholders for being invested in them, almost like a thank you. So let's go back to that Dutch East India example from the early 1600s. The people who gave money to the explorers and said, go out and find whatever you can. If we think about, let's think about the Dutch East India Company, the people who are going to explore as having some value. We're just going to say, let's say on day one, they had, they were valued at like $100 because, and I'm totally making this up and pulling these numbers out of thin air, but let's say they're valued at $100 because these people are because the boats are worth $100 and the people are about to go out and explore. You don't know if what they're going to find. They, you literally have no idea. So once those people, those explorers go off and find a bunch of stuff and come back, let's say they found like $50 worth of gold coins. So they come back to Amsterdam. They give those 50 gold coins to the CEO of the company, the person in charge. At this point that we can say, and we're going to get into value and worth later on. So this is a massively oversimplified version that we can poke loads of holes into, but for purposes of this, let's just stick with the example. That company was worth a hundred dollars. Now the boats are still worth a hundred dollars and they have $50 of gold coins. So the company is worth 150. That investment's gone up by $50. So those people that the underlying investors, whatever percentage of the company they own, they're technically, they can claim on that. Because if you were to sell everything today, then the value that got sold would be distributed between all of the owners. But let's say that they don't want to sell yet and they're going to go off on another expedition. They're going to do something else. But they want to say to all the investors, like, look, guys, we found stuff. We made money. We're doing really well. We want to keep you happy and we want to show you, we want to show you that we're doing well. So what we're going to do is we're going to take 10 of these gold coins and we're going to hand them out. But your investment's still what it is. You still own whatever percentage of the company that you owned when you invested. But this is just a way for us to get rid of some of our gold coins by paying them back to some of our owners. And that's what a dividend is. Today, obviously, that's not gold coins. When the company is super profitable and has made loads of money, they have some extra cash on hand, they can choose to pay out dividends to their investors. Not every company pays dividends. Companies are not required to pay dividends. A company can start paying dividends and then stop paying dividends at any given time. It can increase its dividend. It can lower its dividend. It's basically a way of returning capital or cash to people who own the company, its shareholders, people who own shares. And by the way, just a quick aside, a common theme within finance and specifically investing is that there are loads of different words used to explain the same things. So if you hear me repeating words in a different fashion, like shareholders, equity holders, stockholders, owners... It it all is referring to the same thing. So just bear that in mind. So dividends are payments that are made to keep shareholders happy. If a shareholder is happy, he's going to stay invested. She's going to stay invested. Invest like a woman. Let's refer to shareholders as she from now on. I'm setting that as a rule. 
she's going to stay invested in the company because she's happy with it. So so practically, dividends are paid every three months when a company pays them, and you literally just gets deposited as cash in your account. When when I was in college learning all this stuff at university, it took me a really long time to understand that piece of it. And I know it sounds so silly, but I was just like, I, I felt so removed from stocks and Wall Street and all of that. And it was so hard for me to like contextualize a lot of this stuff. Because like I said earlier, when you're investing 50 bucks into a company, you're like, surely that isn't making a difference. And like, no, maybe your $50 isn't. But when everyone does it, it does make a massive difference. But when you are an owner of a company, you are a part owner, a shareholder, you've bought a share through an online brokerage, an online stock market exchange, and that company that you're invested in pays a dividend, that money is just getting automatically deposited into your account. So the absolute goal of investing, I think personally, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, is to have enough money invested in companies that pay dividends so that you're getting paid every three months for not doing anything. And you're literally having cash flow. You're, it's just like you got a paycheck from a company. You're getting paid because you put this money to work. You invested it, and then you can live off of that money while your capital base, while that money that you invested is still growing in the background. So you're not selling to live. You're not taking money out of your savings account. Actually, it's a good point, the whole savings account thing. Think about when you put money away in a savings account and you make a return. That return in savings accounts are like really, really, really low, like 0.01% or something. But that money is growing. So let's say if you were taking out that 0.01% or whatever it is, it's not. I mean, you you can't even buy a pack of gum probably. But let's say you were taking that out. You're not going into your savings because you're just going into your return. So same kind of theory applies here. You're, the size of what you've invested is the same. You're just taking out the cash payments, the dividends to live off of. For context, a dividend yield, so the dollar amount that's getting paid out divided by how much you have invested, or that's what's referred to as the dividend yield, the dividend rate. We could see, I think, total cash yield is another way that I've seen it, like TCY, that number is usually around 1% to 2% when we look at the total U.S. stock market, which we'll get into what exactly that means in another episode. But for now, just remember that investing in the stock market is a way to become a part owner of big companies. And so that when they perform well, you make money and The ways that you can make money are by increases in value, but also by cash payments that come directly to you, which are called dividends. What all of that is investing in stocks and also called equities. Next week, we're going to dig in a little bit more into debt, which is another thing that you can invest in via the stock market. Knowing the difference between debt and equity are really, really integral when it comes to investing and Honestly, not just investing, but like buying a house or starting a company or so many other things. So we're going to talk all about that next week, but I think that's enough information for one day. What do you guys think? So thanks for listening. If you have any questions at all on anything that I've brought up, please, please do reach out to me and I'll answer 
anything either directly to you or maybe live next time because other people probably have the same questions as you do. And remember, no question is a stupid question. I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Invest Like a Woman. To learn more and continue your journey, visit us on thenasana.com, download our app, or follow us on Instagram. I'll see you next time.